Hey, Soul Seekers. Today, we're talking about why letting go doesn't work. Don't you just love it when something's really bothering you and people just say, you know, just let that go. Ugh, it's not that easy. And today, we're going to talk about why. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm your host, Becky Fleischer, coming at you today with a solo show, which I feel like I haven't done in a really long time. But I felt compelled to do it because I was talking to a friend the other day who's struggling with something in her life, a really challenging experience that she didn't ask for and she can't escape and she can't change. And it's causing a lot of pain, a lot of emotional pain and a lot of struggle. And she recognizes that she can't change the experience, so that only leaves changing herself. But as she was telling me, she just can't do it. She's having such a hard time. We're really close friends and she's watched me navigate my own change process over the past few years. So she asked for my help. She said she needed help letting go, and she wanted to know how I have done that over the past few years. Now, many of you know, as you've listened along to the podcast, I have faced a lot of change over the past few years, really big, hard, difficult change, which we all tend to hold really tightly when these things happen. You know, I lost my dad. I reorganized a nearly 20-year relationship from a marriage to something that's now more honest and authentic. That then led to restructuring what my family looks like, where we're not married, but we're still a family. I have had changes in what I believe, some beliefs that really had me stuck. I've had changes in how I view myself, some of which really limited me. It's been a lot. And from the outside, it looks like a lot of letting go. And that's why she was asking for my help. She wanted to know, how in the world did I do it? How did I navigate all of that? Now, we weren't really in a place where we could dig in. And part of me, honestly, a part of me was really grateful because my first reaction when she asked me about this was, I don't know how to help her let go. And that was very swiftly followed up by my inner critic. Oh, yes, we have talked about the inner critic before. Mine happens to be a male voice in my head that I call the boss. So the boss started yelling at me immediately. What kind of coach are you? Someone comes to you with a really common life issue and you don't even know the answer. You're such a joke. 
right? I knew it was my critic, the boss, because it wasn't realistic thinking at all. That voice was so, so harsh. You guys, that's kind of the first indicator that it's the critic. But it also wasn't true what the critic was saying to me. I knew that on some level because coaching isn't about giving someone the answer because there isn't one answer that fits everyone's life. Coaching is about helping people find their own answer. It's so much more nuanced, which is more aligned with realistic thinking than the boss, my inner critic. So the boss had been outed for that either or not very helpful thinking. And when I got home later in the day, I went for a walk. I told the boss to stay home. Thank you very much. And with the boss out of my ear, I started to unpack why I had that reaction when my friend asked for my help, because it was confusing to me, given how much it seems like I've let go in the past years, that I wouldn't be able to answer her or have something constructive to say right on the spot. And as I walked and I reflected, I realized the reason why I couldn't help her in that moment, why my reaction was, I can't help her let go of anything, is because that's the truth. I can't help someone let go because the territory of internal change isn't actually about letting go at all. It's not that something disappears, never to be seen again. If you think of letting go like that as a releasing of something and then it's forever gone, you're always going to be stuck in some way. And let me explain why I'm saying this. This is kind of what all came together for me when I was reflecting on this, how to let someone let go. So I'm going to use the natural world as our example because I spend a lot of time outside in nature walking. And it's usually when I'm outside that I have time to reflect and these bigger truths start to settle in. But I also believe Partly it's because it's quiet and I have time, but also I think because nature really is one of the most true and reliable guides to the great reality of what is. So here's what was coming to me on that walk. This is very funny. And was it a coincidence? Probably not. But a few days before she asked me that question, I had been scrolling through my phone, which has gazillions of photos Oh, gosh, I really need to figure out a way to get those off of there. But I have way too many photos on my phone. And I was looking for something from a couple of years ago. And I found this photo that I took a screenshot of. It was a post that spoke to me at the time. And this was in that season when I was going through a lot of change and like really feeling like I had to let a lot of things go. So I found this post that I had screenshotted. And it was a gorgeous picture of a fiery red tree. And it was captioned, the trees are about to show us just how beautiful it is to let things go. And I really loved that post when I saw it a couple of years ago because it looked so beautiful. And that's what I wanted. I wanted something to be so beautiful. I wanted this process to be so beautiful. But guess what? It didn't feel beautiful, you guys. It just felt fucking hard and kind of impossible. So there was part of me that the post was a little aspirational, but utterly unrealistic. And it did not align with the reality that I was feeling in that heavy duty change process. So as I was walking, I was thinking about that photo and about how it was saying that nature just lets things go and it's so beautiful. And then it kind of hit me. Nature doesn't actually just let things go. 
even when that's what it looks like it's doing. The tree in that photo, the trees in the fall, they don't just let their leaves go in the way that we're thinking of letting things go as a one-way street of surrender, of getting over something by releasing it, either through forgiveness, acceptance, or sheer intellectual will. No, no, no. What the trees are doing, it's not really letting go as much as it's engaging in a sacred exchange. This was a concept that I was introduced to by my mentor, Bree Stoner. We were in a session this winter and she brought this whole concept of a sacred exchange up. And I was thinking about it as I was on that walk and what's really happening when the trees, quote, let go of their leaves. And this is what came to me. The trees are surrendering their attachments. They're surrendering their leaves to the earth in exchange for new life. Now, on the surface of that statement, it's easy to follow what I'm saying. They have to let the old leaves go to make room for the new leaves. And we've all kind of heard this strategy in our own lives. You know, you have to clean out your closet of old clothes to make room for new clothes that actually fit or fit the new fashions. That's kind of the traditional way of thinking about letting things go. And that is one strategy for helping you do it. Being able to envision the new things to come, the benefits of letting go, that space you'll make either physically or emotionally by not holding on to all the baggage of old clothes or pain, suffering, unease, pick whichever one you want. But that doesn't always work. In fact, when the wounds are really deep or the thing you hold is so precious and important, that strategy almost never works because you can't see the benefits of letting it go. Even if you know you should, you just can't see it. You can't move past it. That's because the pain, the suffering, the unease, they all exist as energy in our body. And energy doesn't go away. It just takes a different shape through this sacred exchange. The leaves that the tree sheds, they're not surrendered just to die. They're surrendered to go back into the earth. They decompose. They become the rich compost that helps nourish the very soil that the tree grows in. It's generative. It's cyclical. It's life-giving. The thing that was, the leaf, it's never really gone. It's just transformed into something else. It's the exact same thing for our own attachments, which turn into emotions. And what are emotions? Energy in motion. And energy doesn't go away. You know the phrase, we might forgive, but we don't forget. It's true. It's really true. We don't forget. Even if our mind forgets, even if cognitively we don't remember, our body does remember. There's a whole book about it. The body holds the score. It's all stamped in there. And it's stamped in there as pain, the suffering, the hurt, the unease, the sorrow. You can't let it go because it won't go away. It's energy. It can only be transformed. 
transformed from pain, suffering, hurt, heartache, unease that keeps us stuck into grace. A respectful, considerate, cooperative, flowing energy that helps us move forward. So how in the hell do we do that? What is the spell we cast? What is the active ingredient that alchemizes this powerful transformation? What's the currency for this sacred exchange? And this may sound completely counterintuitive, given that I just went through a divorce, but this is very true. The ingredient, that currency, is love. It's as simple and as hard as that. And it always starts with a love for yourself. You have to love yourself enough. You have to give yourself enough grace to acknowledge the source of the pain, accepting things at the heart level. And how do we know if we've accepted things at the heart level? Because it hurts. It hurts. I've talked about this before in episode 40, Three Steps to Finding Your Groove in 2022. The first step, accept things as they are, not at the head level, but at the heart level. And I had a recent post on this on Instagram as well, where I talked about that. And how do you get there? How do you get to this heart level acceptance of where's this coming from? You do it by asking yourself, what's at the core of my pain? What's at the core of this unease, this restlessness, this suffering? You ask it over and over and over again until you literally hit a nerve. You hit an emotion, a piece of energy that's in motion in your body that you probably don't like. It's probably something that will bring you to tears. It'll get you a little misty, as my dad used to say. And once you see that, you have to shower it with love. Now, this can be easier to do when the pain and the suffering is coming from the death of someone you love, like it did when I lost my dad, because there really is no discernment there about accepting what is. There's no changing that. There's nothing that you can do. And so it's easier to see how showering that experience with love can really be so healing and can really help us move on and help us engage in this sacred exchange of giving love to get healing and taking that pain and really transforming it into that grace. Because it was easier for me to see and understand the inverse relationship between love and pain and, and getting really understanding that really they can't live without one another. There's such a strong correlation between the two. The more you love something, the more pain that something can cause you. So in my marriage, when I was aching with so much longing for it to be different than what it was, I was fighting reality. I was feeling so much unease and sadness that I knew that love had to be there too. I had learned that lesson when my dad passed. There cannot be that much pain without that much love. Now, I'm not talking about the love you feel when you first met, which is the first tool any therapist will pull out of their therapist toolbox. Sometimes that does it. 
sometimes retouching on the love that existed at the beginning of something, whether it was a relationship or a job or just an experience. If you can just tap back into the original essence of that joy, sometimes that's just enough to be reminded of the love and that transforms the situation. That's just enough. For me in my marriage, that wasn't going deep enough for me. I had to take love and dig a little deeper, actually a lot deeper, to really discern what was true about my relationship, to discern what was true about me as a human being, as a woman who was 20 plus years beyond when I first met my husband. So a lot of discernment there. Who was I? Who have I become? Who do I want to be? What kind of partnership am I in? What kind of partnership do I need? I needed to use love as the tool to help me get all of those answers and to really accept things at the heart level. I didn't use love to paint rose-colored glasses over my eyes. No, no, no. I wasn't saying, oh, well, there's love, so that must mean I have to save this marriage at all costs. No, I used it as a cloak of protection that allowed me to go to the darkest corners that were calling my name. And whenever you find yourself in a change process that's difficult and murky and scary and unclear, you can be sure that there are dark corners calling your name, places where you need to pull back some layers to dig deep, to go to those do not mention zones that Martha Beck talks about in her book, The Way of Integrity. You are being called to go there. And love is really, really what allowed me to go there, knowing I was protected by that cloak that I wrapped myself in that deep abiding love for myself first, and then for all the people around me that were involved. I could not go to the do not mention zones until I unlocked the door with love for everyone involved. Now, that doesn't mean I liked it. Hell no, I did not like it. I hated fumbling around in those dark do not mention zones. I hated being there. The work was hard. It certainly did not look beautiful, like that picture of the tree letting its leaves just go there with its beautiful auburn tree. Nope. Wasn't like that at all, hate to tell you. And certainly I should say at this point, this does not pertain to anyone who's in any kind of abusive relationship, which I was not at all. That's a very different and extreme situation, which calls for extreme and immediate action. But when you're not in a dangerous situation... When you're in a discernment situation, a change dynamic, and really this can be any relationship, it can be any experience, this isn't specific to marriage or partnerships, I'm just using that as my example, but when you're in a change process, when you're looking for true healing to transform pain, suffering, unease into grace, that respectful, considerate, cooperative, flowing energy that helps us move forward, I'm telling you, love is what gets you there. It just is. Now, once I had the active ingredient, the currency for this sacred exchange, and I paid it, do you know what happened? 
I got something back. I got courage. I gave love, and I got the courage that was so necessary for me to see that those do-not-mention zones don't benefit anyone. And once I saw that, I became a warrior. It made me strong, and it made me brave, and it helped me go in and slay the beasts, which then allowed me to see what was real and what wasn't, so that I could act from that place of honesty and integrity. Not labeling anything as good or bad, right or wrong, should it be or shouldn't it be or I wish it could be. No, none of that. I was free. I was free of all of that. Free to see what was energetically and lovingly aligned and what wasn't. And for the things that weren't, then I could actually see if I could get them energetically and lovingly aligned. It became very honest and exacting work. I had in my clear side of vision what I could truthfully live with and what I couldn't. And there was no blame or shame put on anyone about that. There was no blame or shame for myself, for my partner, for anyone around me. And at a certain point, I just hit a spot where all of a sudden, the energy was different. It didn't feel heavy anymore. It didn't feel sharp and painful. It wasn't hot or laced with regret or worry. It became that rich compost that I'm now growing this new phase of my life in. And if you've ever seen compost, it's dark, and earthy, and it's flecked with bits of all kinds of things, eggshells and coffee grinds and potato peelings, things that nourished us in one way at one time, they're all decomposing together. And it may not be what we would traditionally call beautiful. It certainly doesn't look like those gorgeous beautiful leaves from that photo about letting go that I was drawn to so many years ago. But it's a more accurate image of what letting go actually looks like. And that's why I couldn't help my friend on the spot the other day when she asked me how to help her let things go. Because the reality is, I never let anything go that was real. I'll say that again. I never let anything go that was real. I really didn't. I truly didn't. I transformed it all so that it was honest. It was a sacred exchange through love. It was a very cyclical exchange, not a straight line, and not a passive passage with a destination. It is ever ongoing. Here's what it looked like when I started to enter into my sacred exchange. It'll look different for everyone because we all need different things and we all are facing different issues. So this isn't how yours is going to look. This is how the beginning of mine looked. I gave love. I got courage. I gave love. I saw what I needed to see. I got scared again. So I gave love. I got more courage. I gave love again. I heard what I needed to hear. I got hurt. I felt pain. 
So I gave love again, and I got the strength to do what I needed to do. I gave love, I gave love, I gave love, and I got peace, and I got clarity, and I got truth. And so it goes, my friends. Once you engage in this sacred exchange, you're in it for good. It's not like I never get scared anymore. It's not like my feelings don't get hurt or that I don't feel pain. Of course I do. Of course I do. But when I do, when that old feeling of, oh, I just need to let this go, when that creeps up and pops up, I know that something needs to be transformed. And I just keep plugging away at the sacred exchange. And like anything we do over and over and over again, we get better at it and the cycle gets faster. Now, some people can get into this sacred exchange through journaling. And I've been offering some journaling prompts on my Instagram page at Unleash Your Soul Song for anyone who's working that way. Some people need to talk it out. And if that's you, I encourage you to do that with a trusted therapist, a spiritual advisor, a coach. And if you want to see if I would be a good fit as a coach, you can learn more about that on my website, theintunexperience.com. And also listen, don't discount other modalities like dancing or painting or singing. For me, songwriting has been really such a therapeutic method. I have so many songs I have written throughout my entire change process that you are never going to hear. <laughs> like No one's ever going to hear these songs. If I thought they would ever touch someone's ears, I never would have gone to the places I needed to go with them, said the things I needed to say, excavated the feelings I needed to excavate. So just give yourself permission in whatever you do to just be as honest as you need to be to get into this sacred exchange. And give yourself as much time as you need, because it does take time when you're just starting to enter into this new way of thinking of transformation and sacred exchange instead of this idea of the quick let go. I'm going to offer up some journaling prompts related to this idea of the sacred exchange on my Instagram account. So be sure to check those out if you think that would be helpful. I'm hearing from so many of you that journaling is a very nourishing practice. And if these prompts are helpful, then I hope that you will go to my account at Unleash Your Soul Song and please take advantage of those journaling prompts. So I think that's where I'm going to leave it for today. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend, post a story about it on your social media, or write a review on iTunes so that more people can find the show and really unleash their soul song. Because soul seekers, this world needs all of our beautiful music. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street, form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. 
For more information about our music and the songwriting experiences we offer for individuals and corporations, please visit www.thefour26.com. That's www.thefour26.com.